Hey, we want to welcome everybody watching online and especially those watching from the Baldwin County Correctional Facility. We love you. We're grateful for you. Look forward to seeing you one day when you get out and able to come join us. God's doing some amazing things. Do remind you of the 21 days of prayer. This is our last week. Come on. And we just really feel it's an important time of the year just to kind of reset ourselves before we get into the swing of school and busyness of life and the routines. And so um, it's important. We've been gathering every morning at 7 o'clock last two weeks. This will be our last week. encourage you to come. Uh, you'll be encouraged as well. We put on some worship music. We pray. We meet together at the end and just uh, love on the Lord. And it's just been rich and powerful, and as again, as you heard announced, we're, next Sunday night we'll be having a night of worship, and we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time of a night of worship, and I encourage you to be there at 6 o'clock and enjoy the time with us. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, I don't know if you heard about uh, the man who called the church, and secretary answered, and she said, uh, hello, and he said, yeah, can I speak to the head hog in charge? She said, uh, excuse me? He said, yeah, I want to speak to the head hog in charge. She said, well, I assume you're talking to the pastor, and uh, he's not in at the moment, but uh, when you do talk to him, I do want to just encourage you, sir, that, that it's really honoring to refer to the pastor as pastor, not head hog. And uh, so he goes, okay, whatever. So I just wanted to let him know that we're looking at donating $100,000 to the church. She said, hold on, I think I see Porky coming in the door now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've been, we're going to talk and we're going to open a little series this morning and, called uh, Soul Care, and I'm looking forward to that. And, Great introduction, a lot of questions there that was asked of us in that little introduction, but we want to just talk about and take a moment of talking about the soul, what the soul really is, and the importance of the soul, how to take care of the soul, and what that looks like. And I know we're living in a time and a place where a lot of books and tapes, CDs, and television shows uh, have a lot to do with self-care. You probably heard the term self-care recently and uh, the need to take care of yourself first. And I get that. I understand that concept and agree with it in some manners. But it's amazing how people interpret self-care and what that looks like to so many different people. For some people, you know, self-care looks like um, a new uh, exercise routine, Maybe doing a sleep study and, you know, seeing if you need some machine to sleep with at night and self-care, take care of yourself. Some, we have books now about taking care of your gut, you know, gut health and uh, how to eat right. We have terms we never even heard of before, self-care, uh, uh, gluten-free, you know, gluten. I mean, I grew up on a farm and uh, never heard the word gluten in my life. And uh, it sounded like a germ, a virus to stay away from. But now, now we're, we people uh, go into restaurants and they're asking if they have gluten-free items on their menu. And we have this self-care mentality of different ways to take care of ourselves, get outside, garden a little bit, take a hike, go biking, take a walk, take a jog, buy a pet, get organized, buy a planner, get a calendar, do something to get organized a little bit in your life, self-care, 
cook at home a little bit more. Go get a massage. Get your nails done. Get your hair done. Come on, somebody. Yeah, no, no, not many men jumped on that one, but I understand. And, uh, and we hear the terms like, take care of yourself, and you just do you, you know? You just do you, baby. And, and I get that. I understand. It sounds good. But let's have a conversation this morning for a few weeks about taking care of your soul. Taking care of your soul. I, 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 you got to understand that there's something more important than just what's on the outside. If we just take care of what's on the outside, then Jesus said, I like what he said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, is what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So you may be on the best diet in the world and be in the best shape of your life, but, but you're, if your soul's rotten, it really doesn't do any good. Ever heard somebody say, well, they got a rotten soul. Well, you don't want to be that person. If you like the guy going in and said, man, goes to the body shop and says, listen, I need you to take care. I got a dent in my finger. I need you to get it fixed. Okay. Leaves in the key. The guy goes out, starts up the car to bring it into the shop to fix the fender. And he hears all this knocking noise and, and clicking and pinging and going on and checks it out. And the guy comes back and says, hey, how's my car? Well, we fixed your fender, but we have some other news. What's the news? He said, you need a new transmission. The thing's not going to last much longer. Ah, don't worry about that. I look good. Well, you may look good. You may look good one or two miles down the road, but, but what good does it do if you're on the side of the road with a good-looking car and you're walking to Walmart or wherever you go? So we need to understand that self-care is really useless if your soul is in decay. I, I, I want to talk about your soul for just a minute. What does that really look like? Well, let me just say this first of all. You are made up as an individual of three parts. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Your body is going to decay and will pass away at some point. Your spirit will live for eternity somewhere. And your soul is what makes up the inner side of you, if you would. I would say it like this. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, hello, spirit. <laughs> and whatever spirit rules your, I mean, whatever God rules your spirit rules your soul. See, the war is really over your spirit because Satan realizes that if he can have your spirit, then he can have your soul. It's just another step. And God knows if he has your spirit, he also has your soul if you allow him to make him Lord of your life. So the war really is over your spirit so they can ultimately have your soul. Some would define it as the soul being the mind, the will, and the emotions. You can write that down in your notes, the mind, and the will, and the emotions. I'm going to talk to you this morning about what is the soul. What is the soul? It also means, and this is interesting, if you were to go into the Hebrew language, which was what the Old Testament was written in, the language of Hebrew, and to see what the definition of the word soul would be in the Hebrew language, it's, it's an interesting definition. It also means that which breathes. That which breathes the breathing being, the breathing creature. Now, if we go back all the way to Genesis chapter two, we see that God made this incredible creation. 
And it's beautiful, it's magnificent. It is absolutely stunning. And then God does his masterwork, the finishing touch, the cherry on top, on the sixth day, on the evening of the sixth day, the latter part of the day, God creates man in his image. And so we have this man, and I, I was trying to find some kind of a mannequin that I could bring here and, and show. So we basically have this man, if you can imagine, he's got hair. No wrinkles. And, 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 and he had muscles, and he had eyebrows, and eyes, and hands, and fingers, and toes, and, 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 and he had this incredible physique. I imagine he's standing there, and he's a, another creature that God has created. At this point, he's really no different than any other animal that God had created in the earth. The only difference between this man and any other creature that God had already created is what God was about to do. And what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils. He breathed into, into his life. He gave him mouth to mouth. And when he gave him this breath, the God breath, God really, what he did was he enlightened him. He gave him a soul and ignited the soul within the man. And that is what makes man different than a dog or a cat or a cow or a horse, is that you and I have a soul. We've been breathed into by a living God. And that is why it is so important to keep your soul clean and healthy and right. In fact, it's so important that when Jesus left the earth and told his disciples, to go back to Jerusalem to wait for the power that would come from on high. They went to the upper room, they prayed for 10 days, and as a result, what God did on the day of Pentecost is he, you know the story, he, he sent a mighty rushing what? Wind, a breath, God breathed, God like, into that room with his breath and their spirit and soul came alive. Their spirit and soul came alive into one thing and suddenly they went into the streets and the highways and the byways and when they opened their mouth and touched people with their hands, people were delivered, saved, set free and come into the experience of God for the first time. Why? Because they've been breathed upon by a living God. Their soul had been transformed. Come on, somebody. You got to take care of your soul because everything's coming out of your soul. The soul, that which breathes. And I live through the breath of God. And when God breathes into me, that's when I come truly alive in God. And that mighty rushing wind has come for us even today. I know that you do this and I do it as well, have done it for years. We walking down the street, walk into a store, whatever, you see somebody, you kind of know, you go, hey, hey, how you doing? How many here? That's your go-to line. You leave with that foot. Come on. Come on. Come on. Your arm broke? Come on, let's go. Hello, we need a healing for the arms. Healing of the arm. Hey, how you doing? And you don't really care. I mean, you, you care, but you really, you're not wanting to hear all that. You just, just hey, how you doing? And I found, even when I'm you know, mentoring someone or talking to someone, trying to, you know, maybe bring them further in the Lord to kind of bring some accountability to their life. I, hey, how you doing? We're having a conversation over coffee, whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Everybody's good for the most part. 
But here's a question that we probably need to change and something I'm starting to start over and ask because people really don't know what to say when you ask this. Hey, man, how's your soul? Oh, excuse me, what? How's your soul? My soul. I think it's okay. No, no, let's talk about your soul. I, I want to know how your insides do it. I want to know about your, because see the word soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. I want to know about your thought life. Come on, let's talk about your mind. Let's talk about your will, the decisions you're making in your life and, and the expectations that you have, the stamina that you're walking through. And I want to know about your emotions. I want to know about the peace of God and the joy of God or the anxiety of the world or the stress of life. I, this is what I want to know. I want to know how you really are. Your soul. How's your soul? Do your neighbor and ask him the question, how's your soul? How's your soul? I love this passage, 3 John, verse 2, chapter 1, actually only one chapter, but here's what, I love this scripture. It says, dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health that, you, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. But I like the King James best. Let's read it out of that. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your toe prospers. Even as your eye or your tongue. No, even as your what? Your soul Prosperous. What does that tell me? That, that, that tells me that somehow my health is connected to my soul, even, even my finances. Can I go there? Even my finances are connected to my soul. If you've got a bad soul, you could be having some bad health issues. You've got a bad soul, you could have some financial issues and th- resource shortages in your life. It, your soul is so important. He says, I pray that you are good health and, and you're prospering even as your soul is prospering. So I want to give you quickly five things that your soul needs. Five things that your soul needs. Are you ready for this? All right, here we go. Number one, your soul needs to be guarded. Now we talked about this a few months ago and I don't want to go too deep into this because there's other things we need to talk about, but Proverbs 4.23, above all else, everybody say all else, that means there's, above everything else, guard your heart or guard your soul. For everything flows from it, from your soul, your heart. You can interchange soul, heart, same thing. And we, we, we're, we're usually, typically not used to guarding our soul. We guard other things. We guard, we guard our houses. We have things even on our doorbells where we're actually spying on you while you're at the door knocking. And we're like, oh no, I'm not answering that one. No, no. We guard our house. We guard our finances. We got passwords on our computers and our phones. We, we guard our children. We guard our health. We guard our family. We, we guard everything. But how, how many passwords do you have on your soul? How many guards do you have? How many centuries, if you would? How many guardsmen do you have around your soul? Are you guarding your soul? 
Because we tend not to guard it, but we guard everything else. And let me ask you, you'll probably be asking, what, 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 how do I know my soul's not being guarded? What are some signs, if you would, of an unhealthy soul? Well, I'll give you some examples. A sign of an unhealthy soul. You have a lot of drama in your relationships. I mean, you were like, what was that character, the cartoon character in the old days, and everywhere he went, there was like, it was like a whirlwind. What was that? Pigpen was one, but it was a roadrunner thing. Tasmanian devil. You're like a walking Christian Tasmanian devil. He's got this whirlwind of stuff, and everywhere you go, it's just, and, and, and people are just like caught up into your drama. You're, you're having a wonderful day. Things are going well. You get a text. You get a phone call. Did you know so-and-so, this and that? And you're like, ah, my soul. This is a sign of an unhealthy soul. They have dysfunctional relationships. They go from one person, one relationship to another relationship, and they keep this one intact for a while, and then they bump over to this one, over to that one, and that, that, that's a sign of an unhealthy soul. They blame shift. An unhealthy soul tends to blame shift. Everyone else is at fault. I'm, I, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. Well, even if I did say that, you said this. If that is your go-to comment whenever someone is talking to you, then you need to check your soul. They're a victim mentality. You know what? My I would have a great life if it wasn't for my boss. For one, for that lousy man I married or that woman I married, or if it wasn't for my kids, or if our government would get their act together, then I would be... Every, you, you, your, your life is a victim mentality life. You complain a lot. You criticize a lot. You're stressed out so much of the day. You worry about every single thing that comes down the pipe. You worry about things you can't even control. You usually sleep at night over things going on on the other part of the world. You're fearful of things coming in the future. Things that things that could possibly happen that will never happen, but you're, you're already imagining what it would be like if it would happen. This is a sign of an unhealthy soul. And here's the thing, your soul is subject to an attack at any moment. That's why you have to guard your heart. Because you never know when the hurricane's about to hit. I mean, you know it's about to hit, but you don't know how bad damage is gonna be, uh, i.e. Sally. Oh, it's just a little one. You know, you're, you're, you're crazy if you're going to leave over a little one. It's a category one. Yeah, but it's going to sit over the top of my roof for three hours. That's what, you know, that's what you're not telling me. And it might gust up to three, a category three, or even four, and you're going to be standing there like I was, holding my doors, trying to keep myself from flying out like Judy Garland and gone with the wind. I was just... Is it Wizard of Oz? <laughs> Getting help from the youth group, that's really bad. You know what I'm saying? Wait, wait, oh, wait, well, you know, I was talking with a guy 
we had gone and did some hurricane disaster relief over after Katrina years ago over in Gulfport. And he was a pastor and his congregation, everybody had just been hit and the church was devastated. And I said to him, I said, bro, I said, you know, I mean, you saw it come. They said it was coming. How, how come, how come, how come this has happened? How much, he, so much destruction, so many people hurt and lives lost. And he said this, he goes, because we've heard that same thing for years upon years, decades and it would always go this way, it would go that way, or it would not be what they said. And then it happened. You never know when your heart's going to be attacked. So you have to be on guard. I'll give you an example. Be authentic for a minute. Well, I'm always authentic, but I'll just let you in on my... I'm driving down the road. This happened this past, past week. Now, listen, when I was smaller, younger in life, I was the shortest kid in school. You probably heard me tell. And so, you know, short kids always have something to prove, right? I mean, you know, they, they, they're, they're out to let you know, I'm, I may be small, but I'm dynamite. Don't mess with me. And, I, and so, I, but, but at the same time, I, I, I had this insecurity about me. I, you really didn't see it, but it was there. It was always there. I had this insecurity. I walk into a room and I see two girls in the corner talking, and I knew they were talking about me. I was just insecure everywhere I went. I was carrying this insecurity. And one of the beautiful things of being saved when you come to know the Lord is that he heals all of your hurts and wounds. And I began to be healed early in my 20s of this insecurity. And, and I mean, if you didn't know me then, now it's two different, two different people, in fact. And I haven't had an insecure issue for decades, for a couple decades. And... Um, and I was driving down the road this past week, and I'm not kidding you, out of left field came this sense of insecurity. I hadn't had that for a long, long time. I mean, it was like thoughts coming with it, like, you're not ready for this. You don't have what it takes. You can't take this church. You can't take this community to the next level. Who do you think you are? And this little voice pointing out all these little flaws in my life. And for about two minutes, I'm driving down, and, and it, it so captured me that I had this thought, you need to turn around and go back home. You're not, you, you know, you need, to get your, you need to get back together. And suddenly I realized, hold, hold, hold on. I recognize this voice. I heard this voice deco- decades ago. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, not on my watch. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you're getting in the back seat right now. You don't know. Yeah, 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 you, who, do you think, who do you think you are? Can I remind you that Jesus crushed your head at the cross and you got a little squeaky voice and you have no, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and I can do all things through Christ and strengthen me. Get, no, don't get out of my backseat. Just get out of the truck and go on somewhere else. I'm guarding my heart. If you don't know how to guard your heart, you're in for a long ride, sweetheart. Because
Because those thoughts are going to come when you least expected those ideas, those, those uh, uh, impressions are going to come. And you have to be able to recognize them, know where they're coming from, address them through the Word of God. That's why you have to know the Word. you got to know what the promise, what God says about you. If you don't know what God says about you, how are you going to guard your heart? Yeah. So you have to guard your heart. Number two, your soul needs attention. Philippians 2.12, therefore, dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How do I do that? You have to move out the unnecessary clutter. Can I tell you that your soul accumulates stuff? How many people have looked around at your house or your garage or even in your car at times and go, I got too much stuff. If you don't look around and see, say that from time to time, you're called a hoarder and we need to pray for you. <laughs> How many have in your house, let's be honest, at least one drawer called the junk drawer? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, let's be real. How many have two drawers? Can we go for three? Yeah. It's a, it's the drawer that gets all the stuff that doesn't, you don't know what to do with, right? It's like, where'd this screw come from? Where'd this bolt come from? Where, 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 where did this pin come from? Where, I, just throw it in the, the junk drawer. And then you hope to God no one ever comes over to your house and opens the junk drawer because they could lose their eyeball. <laughs> Something jumps out. See, our soul is like a magnet. You know how magnets where you just kind of just kind of roll it across a metal table and whatever has similar faculties of metal will just be. <laughs> and your soul has a tendency through life just to attract junk. And stuff, worries and fears and anxieties and stress, things that have no part to play in your life. St. Augustine said, we must empty ourselves of all that fills us so that we may be filled with what we are empty of. Okay, yeah, I know you want me to say it again, so let me say it again. We must empty ourselves of all that fills us so that we may be filled with what we are empty of. So I want to give you like a little, a little, a little homework here. So I've been doing this thing the last couple of weeks and it's really helped me. I want to help you out as well. I call it the one minute pause. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the one minute pause. Because I found that even in the course of a day, I can get, I can get worked up. A one minute pause. And so I do it throughout the day. I do it sometimes before I leave the house, sometimes during the middle of the day in my chair, I'll just lean my head back and I'll, and I'll take a one minute pause or before I go into the house, I'll put my head on the steering wheel and I'll just take a one minute pause pause. And here's what I do. I say two prayers. And you can write these down in your notes. I make two prayers in that one minute. 
Father, I give you everything and everyone. Hmm. I give you everything. And I'll repeat it over and over. Father, I give you everything and everyone. I give you my family. I give you my kids. I give you my spouse. I give you my job. I give you my my coworker, my boss. I give you my finances. I give you my health. Father, I give you everything. Because see, what we do is we give it to the Lord once, maybe three weeks ago, but we go back and we pick it back up. I give you everything and I give you everyone. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, give him everything and give him everyone. Come on. And secondly, I pray in this one minute pause, Father, fill my cup to overflowing. Fill my cup to overflowing because you see, here's how it works. If you try to, I hear this term and I really don't like the term I understand it, but I don't even sometimes agree with it. But I hear the term, oh, they're just going through burnout. They're just, they just have burnout. They've just been burned out. Well, if the fire of God lives inside of you, how does it burn out? <laughs> Let me say it like this. If you're constantly filling your cup and your cup is being filled with the Lord, the Holy Spirit every day, how can you run empty? Basically what we're saying, it's burn on, burn out. But what you're saying is you haven't been taking care of your soul and you've been giving out of what your cup has instead of the overflow. See, what I want to give you this morning comes out of my overflow. It's not what I have inside of me. It's what's been splashing out of what's inside of me. We minister out of the overflow. So we have to be connected to the vine on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis so we are never on empty. We're not running on fumes. We're always ministering out of the overflow. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have to have an overflow. So how do we take care of our soul? We give it some attention. Number three, our soul needs nourishment. And so Martha and Mary are there, and Jesus, <clears throat> the Messiah, has come to their house. Okay, Jesus, the Messiah, the, the, the most perfect man that ever has, ever did, and ever will live in this world. The, 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 the Messiah that was there with God the Father when God threw the Son into into its place and created the world, this same God, the same Messiah that was with God as God, now walking the earth as God, is walking now into the very home of Martha and Mary. Can you imagine the Son of God walking, knocking on your door, comes into your house, sits down on your recliner? What would you do? Well, we have a couple people here that are type A personalities, and you would grab your apron... And you would go to work, Jesus, you have, have you ever had sweet tea? Let me introduce you to the Southern sweet tea. It will change your life. You will minister out of a whole new overflow, I promise you, Son of God. It will cause the hair on your head to stand up. 
My wife makes some amazing sweet tea. It's basically three drops of, drops of water with a whole pitcher of sugar. And I love it, but I can only take so much of it. And so you got Martha with the apron. She's in the kitchen. You got disciples. You got Jesus. You got stuff going on. I got to feed them for crying out loud. It's coming up on noon. I'm sure their families have been walking several hours. I, I got to be the hospitable southern charm. Turn on my guest uh, hospitality charm. On. I got to love them. I got to give them something to eat. I got to give them some. I got I to gotta get some ribs. I got to put some steaks on. I got I to gotta get some baked beans, some potato salad. We got some stuff to do. She's got pots and pans and firing up the grill. Everything's going on. Jesus in the other room. Finally, Martha's like, I'm sweating. Why is it so hot up in here? What's going on? She looks out there and sees Mary, the creative artist type of, you know, writer, poem woman, sister of hers, sitting there listening to Jesus. And she's like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. We got stuff to do. Irresponsible Mary. She comes in with Mary sitting right there and wants Jesus to correct her sister. Instead of just coming to Mary, Mary, we need to talk. Can we come to the kitchen? Have you ever done that before? Someone's sitting right there, and instead of correcting them, you go to someone else. Hey, coach, you need to talk to our running back right here. You know, <laughs> you need to talk to your running back. You need to talk to that blocker that we, he's messing up. The blocker's right there, the running back. What? Jesus, you need to talk to Mary. She has no clue what's going on here. We got stuff to do. In fact, let's read it. Um, it says, uh, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? We're talking about the Messiah. She told the Messiah. She told the Son of God like this. What, who does she think she is? Jesus, don't you care? I don't care that you're going to, who, you know, who, who gives a rip? You're going to take all of our sins away and we got to eat a meal. There's stuff to do. Don't you care, Lord? And he, and he says, Mar, Mar, Martha, Martha, exclamation mark, Martha, you are worried. One translation says anxious. You're upset. Another translation says Troubled about many things. Hello? That was an indictment. It wasn't just mealtime. Martha, you, you gotta get a grip. You, you, you worry for the whole town. You are uptight and anxious about so many things. You're losing a girl. I love you, but you got some issues going on here. And then he says, but few things are needed. In fact, indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. So let the beans and burn the baked beans, forget about the potato salad and all the mayonnaise, it's, it's gonna ruin it all, and sit down with your sister because that is what is better. Isn't it so easy to miss the moment? 
How many moments do we have with the Messiah that we have missed? We have to pay attention. We have to be nourished at his feet. This is what is better. The other day I was in my office at the house and I was studying. I was in the middle of it. When I get in a groove, I like to just pound it out. And I'm in a groove. My little granddaughter busts into the office. Pops! Hi, sweetheart. Hide and seek. Hide and seek, Pops, please. Ah. Choose what is better, JP. Yeah. You better run. One, two, three. (laughs) Choose what is better. What is better in life than spending time with your Messiah? You have to nourish your soul. I was grateful that y'all let me get away for a, a little bit of time and take a break, and I can't tell you what I did. I nourished my soul. I, we got a, got a place overlooking a lake, kind of on a bluff in South Missouri, and I get up early in the morning and I just sit there. I wasn't, wasn't shouting, I wasn't declaring, I wasn't even praying that much. I was just sitting there aware of God's creation and presence. I just sat there, I watched the woodpecker peck a hole into a tree. I watched some buzzers flying overhead, a boater driving by below in the lake. My heart was being nourished. And all I could say was, thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for a role to play in your great thing called history. Thank you. We were supposed to leave on a Friday and it was Thursday evening. We had a boat that was down in a dock and I told my wife, I said, I want to go get in the boat. I'll be back in a little bit. It was getting towards dusk, sunset. Got on the boat. I went out in the water and I just sat there in the lake and I I wept. I said, God, I love you so much. Thank you. Just thank you. I don't know what to say other than just thank you. Have you ever been to that point where all you can say is just thank you? What's happening? Your, Your soul is being nourished. You're coming back to what's real and what's important and what's priority in your life. I feel like I needed to, to pray through something, you know? So, there's issues in the world that needs my intercession. I need to bombard the courts of God with my prayers. Oh, God, I felt like this once. But my, my soul just said, take a break and just sit at my feet. 
You don't have to make nothing. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to even pray anything. Can you just take the posture of Mary and just sit in my presence? Do you nourish your soul? <laughs> Took a walk last night on Saturday nights. So you'll probably not find me around. Typically, I, I'm out taking a walk, praying, praying for you, praying for this time. And again, all I could do is say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I think when I stand before the Lord, if I am ever to, able to come up off of the ground from being passed out from all of his glory, if I do have the ability to muster up any kind of words, it'll probably be, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Which leads me to our last one. No, it's not our last one. But we'll just say it's going to be our last one. Number four is your soul needs a break. So that's good. You, get, you understand that. Number five. Number five, your soul. Have our worship team come. Your soul needs to magnify. It needs something to magnify. Some of you have been caught in the traffic down to Orange Beach trying to cross over a little tiny bridge that you will pay for for the rest of your life. And you're like, where did all these people come from? And I'll say, oh, don't you, you didn't know there's a, there's a concert at the wharf. No, I didn't know. If you were to go to the concert at the wharf, the typical wharf concert, you would see people down to the front go to the shrimp fest, go to the music fest, go with all these, you see young people down there. <laughs> you may have been one of them. And they're like, yeah, somebody takes their shirt off, throws it in the crowd, there's a fight over a shirt, some guy's sweaty shirt on the band. And I sit there and I look at that and I go, why? What is that? What is that? It's someone's soulish response, a carnal response to the cry in their heart because all of us were born with a need to magnify something in our life. And my life is going to, 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 to hell in a handbasket, but, but you know what? Hey, I'm going I'm to magnify him. I'm going to magnify her. I'm going to magnify that sports star. I'm going to magnify this, this person over here. I, I'm gonna, I, because there's a cry within the heart of man, I must magnify because whatever you focus on is what you magnify. 
And there's God put it inside of you. It's not something that's just there by accident. God put it inside every single one of us something to magnify. And the answer, the only thing that will ever fill that hole in your gut is God himself. He's the only one worthy enough to be magnified in all the earth. Mary was visited by an angel, and the angel says, guess what, Mary? You've been chosen of all the people in the earth to birth the Son of God. And when she finally got over the, the crazy, the what experience, finally her response was, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. We have to magnify. When we magnify this, we have people that come here and I'll visit them. They'll be there first time ever here. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm so glad to have you. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Can you tell me what your experience was like? And very little do they ever say, well, I really enjoyed what you had to say, which is okay. But what I hear is when the worship team was singing, something happened inside of me. I, I, I don't know. I, I was moved. Something, I just, I, I don't know what it was. I just, I like it. I don't understand it, but I like it. Can I tell you what it was? You were caught up in a group of people that had chosen to magnify their God. And your soul was going, this is what I've been missing all along. This is what I've needed all my life. I've been searching for this moment where I could come and magnify something that had value and had worth and it made sense. It could bring something back to me. As they got caught up in the magnification that we brought into the Lord, they themselves found themselves magnifying the Lord. Your soul needs, it must magnify God. Like you need breath in your lungs, like you need water in your, in your body, you, you need to magnify your God. David, he's, you go home and read Psalms 103. Incredible chapter. Let me just take a few moments and just listen to me read what he discovered. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. In other words, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't know what else to say, but thank you, God. 
Praise the Lord, my soul forgets not all of his benefits, who forgives me of all my sins, heals me of all my diseases, redeems my life from the pit, crowns me with love and compassion, satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like an eagle's. Praise the Lord. He would say, you his angels, the mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey the word. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord. All his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. I, I don't mean to be mean here. And please understand, I, I'm just, I'm your friend. My name is JP. But if you have a, a hard time standing up and lifting your hands into the heavenlies and uttering out of your heart something called praise, if you find it somehow inferior, insecure about it, somehow you feel it's weird or strange to, to lift up your heart and your praise and your love to your God, even so much so that the people next to you can even actually hear it. When you're not mumbling, when you're not whispering, but when you're just standing there going, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. I give you my life. You're so good to me. I don't know what I would do without you, oh God. I love you. Do we have anybody in the house that can magnify the Lord with me this morning? Can you lift up your voice? Come on, lift up your voice. Oh, I love you, God. I praise you, Lord. Come on. Come on, we praise you, God. We magnify you, Lord. We glorify you, God. We give you everything. Oh, we give you everything, God. Oh, you're so good. 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 Oh, you're so good. Oh, my gosh. And then he would say this in Psalms 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and the dancing. And praise him with the strings and the pipes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Come on, church. Give him praise. Give him praise. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you, God. I glorify you. I say thank you. I say thank you. I say thank you, God. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I worship you, God. I glorify you, Lord. I glorify you. I glorify you. Oh, my God. And so I, I shared this this morning with our worship team, our prayer team. The Lord asked me a question before I arrived here. He said, JP, if you knew this would be the last time you had a chance to worship me for the rest of your life, that you were gonna go home 
this afternoon and somehow pass away. If you knew that this was the last moment you had to utter a breath of praise to me, would you worship me differently than if you did not know that? I was cut to my soul. I saw, God forgive me. I just take advantage of these times. I just, I lose myself and just watch and enjoy, but myself. Where's the song that comes deep from within my soul? Where I sing a new song unto the Lord. Oh, I love you, God. I praise you, Lord. I glorify you, God. You're wonderful, Lord. Where's the song that's inside your heart is yet to be sung? Can you hear me, church? God says, I'm looking to and fro. My eyes go to and fro the earth, looking for those that will worship me in spirit and in truth. Can you worship him this morning? Can you lift up your heart? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to him a new song. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I glorify your name, oh God. I glorify your name, oh God. You're a wonderful God. You're a wonderful God. You're a wonderful God. Oh, I praise you. Oh, I praise you. Oh, I worship you. I magnify the name of the Lord. Come on, church, lift up your voice. Sing your song to the Lord. I lift up my name, your name to you, God. I bless your name, oh God. I love you, Lord. I love you, God. I magnify, I magnify. I glorify, I glorify. Oh, God, I glorify. Oh, God, I glorify. Come on, church. Sing your song unto the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. I glorify your name. Come on, worship team. Come on. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Let's sing a song unto the Lord. Let's sing our song unto the Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you, God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name, Lord. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I glorify you. Jesus, I glorify you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Someone say, Pastor JP, that's just weird. What we're doing is weird, strange, unusual. Well, I'm saying, that's what I say to you. You better get used to it, sweetheart, because that's all you're going to do when you get to heaven. You better get used to it. You better learn it now. You're not going to have time to learn it later. Oh, there's something that breaks off of you, shackles are broken off as you lift up the name of the Lord. Jesus said, you draw... He said, he said, lift up the, the, the Bible says, the New Testament says, lift up the name of Jesus. Lift up, draw, you lift up the name of the Lord. You lift up the name of the Lord. You'll, he'll draw all men unto himself. 
God desires to draw you to himself, but he waits for your praise. He waits for you to magnify. I'm not trying to work nobody up. I'm just telling you, if you're grateful, if you're thankful, you'll worship and your soul will be filled. Your soul will be filled. Well, pastor, how do I do that when we leave here? You get in your car, get in the shower, get in your closet, take a walk, and just begin to praise Him. Just begin to love Him. Just begin to sing a song unto the Lord. Oh, I love you, God. I magnify your name. I love you, Lord. I love you, God. See, that's, that's what we were born to do. <laughs> I was sitting in a coffee shop the other day, this worldly song came on, and this girl over there in the coffee shop, she's just singing along. Just... And she, she didn't care who listened to her. She was singing out loud. We heard her two tables away. She's just singing along to that song. And I'm thinking, where is the church? How come we can't do that? And God said, you can, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can. I want to have the prayer teams come, they're going to stand in the front. We've had a good time today. I pray you've been challenged, somehow encouraged. If you have prayer needs about anything, somebody you know needs prayer, don't you leave without us agreeing together with you. Two or more gathered together in my name, I'll, I'll hear that prayer. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus into your heart. This is the time. This is the day. I want you to be bold enough to come down to the front and grab one of the prayer teams and say, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're here, you want to just take communion. We're going to have communion after service over there together. Pray. We have prayer going on this week at 7 o'clock here in this room. But as we get ready to dismiss, I want you to know, above all other things, that your soul needs care, needs nourishment, needs attention, needs to be guarded, and it needs to magnify. So as we leave today, let us take a one-minute pause throughout the day. Father, I give you everything, I give you everyone, and fill my cup. And then let us become magnifiers of a living God. Amen.